It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. And joining us for a Money Monday, the Auburn banker himself, Lindsey Crosby. How are you, my friend? You know, I'm doing better than uh, than a lot of our guys are feeling today after a physical game on Saturday against Georgia. Man, that was a tough one. That was, uh, that was tough to watch from start to finish. And look, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to be honest. That first half kind of had me feeling like, okay, Maybe I'm off on this. Maybe I'm wrong. Really, the, the, the first two drives were like, okay, I think we've got a chance. Um, defense stood strong early on. And then really, ever, uh, I don't know, up until where Bo Nix threw the, the third and two to Shivers, and Shivers kind of popped it up, and then uh, the, the Georgia defense got a hold of it. Everything kind of went Georgia's way after that. That did feel like the big momentum swing was that interception. And that's something where fans have gone and, have Zapruder filmed the the play and said, well, look at this other option he had over here and over that. That was the right decision to throw to Sean Shivers. That, that quick hitter, get the first down, correct decision. It didn't work out this time. Um, but from that point on, it just felt like Auburn couldn't really do anything. And, 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 you know, Georgia capitalized on that mistake to drive down and score. And that was all she wrote. What do you think about that? Because a lot of people are really ripping and picking Bo Nix apart uh, following that Georgia game. And some of it I'm okay with, some of it I'm not. But that specific play is the one that a lot of people are pointing out. Um, the other one is the the pass to um, to Shanker in the end zone. But specifically on the, the Shivers drop that was the, the Bo Nix pick, uh, Shanker is just never really covered. He's wide open. They also had somebody else crossing, uh, coming across the field that that eventually would have broken open. But the the goal of the play and the play call is to get two yards. And his first read clearly was to worm, and it was open. And so I don't, I don't really fully get. I think it's because a lot of people play so much Madden, where it's like mm-hmm. you're not really like, I don't know, you're able to get a clearer picture of the full field. But the goal was to get two yards, and they schemed Shivers open. Shivers didn't catch the football. And, like, that happened, and it stinks. But I, I don't get blaming Bo Nix for, for that. Now, if you're blaming him for other things that happened, and there was times that he started to kind of get happy feet in the pocket. And it was a little finicky and running around and a little indecisive and left guys too early. I'm cool with that. But on that specific play, that's when it all kind of started, right, Lindsey? And I mm-hmm. think that's where... Um, I kind of have a little bit of an issue with that. Yeah. Looking over my notes here, one of the big things I have written down is Bo Nix is not the reason we lost this game. Uh, It worked out on that play where we had more than one option. A lot of times in this game, we didn't have more than one option available. Um, That was something you could, you could clearly tell that that play was designed to go to Sean Shivers. That was the pre-snap read is we're going to throw this quick out, get the first down keep the chains moving. It wasn't something where we were looking for a home run ball, where we had the protection set up for a home run ball. You saw how quickly they got in on Bo. I mean, he's throwing that ball, trying to avoid getting hit at the same time. Right. Uh, 
we didn't block that for a deep shot. Uh, all in all, I act, I mean, if I'm assigning blame, and I don't like to do that. If I'm assigning blame for this loss, Bo Nix is pretty far down that list. I think ever since the benching at Georgia State, and you touched on it, he had a little bit of issues on Saturday. He was not Gideon. perfect, but he was yeah, not yeah. Oh, like yeah. he was not the worst part of the offense on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he got a little impatient as the game went on, and understandably so because he was pressing and feeling the need to make something happen, but. Bo Nix absolutely was not the problem on Saturday. What, Bo Nix is pro, not the reason we lost the game. Yeah, pro football focus side Auburn with seven drops. I believe it was either six or seven drops. Which or seven, yeah. Which I mean, if you have all of those, I mean, the it just looks totally different. Drives last longer, and obviously his stats look a lot better. And so I just I I don't think that. I mean, he was running for his life. Some of that was him. Some of that was holding onto the ball too long. Some of that was the offensive line wasn't very good. On Saturday, and we all expected that, and we also predicted mm-hmm. here on this show, and we're not the only place to do this, but we talked about this that over the course of the game, the trenches just slowly wore down in Georgia's favor on offense and defense. And over the course of the game, it seems like Auburn's running game got worse. And over the course mm-hmm. of the game, it seems like Georgia's running game got better, and uh, the Auburn pass rush kind of got worse and worse and worse. Just because over the course of the game, the, the, just in the trenches, you could just physically look at it, just. Pre-snap, just looking at it, it's like they are just so much bigger than Auburn is, and over the course of sixty minutes, it showed. Yeah, you know when you're playing a team that has a lot of four and five stars like Georgia does. Yeah, uh, it's going to be very easy at the very beginning when you're man on man to to keep it a game, to keep it close. You saw that first drive. Auburn comes out, marches down the field, doesn't convert, but as the game wears on. Every time you substitute and they substitute, right. they're substituting in a better guy than you are. And so you're slowly getting behind every time you have to sub. Your number one guy may be almost as good as their number one guy, but your number two guy is significantly worse than their number two guy. Yeah. And and you saw that as the game goes on. You know, we, like you said, the, the running game gets worse. Uh, the passing game for them starts opening up even more. And that... That a uh, sixty-yard deep ball to McConkey uh, right after a turnover was something where you know we saw the explosive play start adding up, and that's kind of the penultimate explosive play for for Georgia um, hitting a one-play touchdown drive, and that really ended up being the dagger that just solidified. All right, this is not the game where Auburn's going to do it. You had a chance going off that first drive to make it competitive and make it a game if you kept executing and didn't make mistakes. And right. We saw what happened. Yeah. Uh, you kind of touched on it. Explosive plays, giving up explosive plays. The defensive backs were really, really inconsistent and at times really, really bad. I wanted to go and just hug me and my appreciate and be like, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, and, and some of that, I think the scheme was like kind of putting him on an island because I think mm-hmm. they thought he could kind of handle it. And look, people asked for man. They got more man. And um, Nehemiah Pritchett was on the wrong end of a lot of explosive plays. You mentioned the the big one by Ladd um, to kind of put a, put the nail in the coffin. But he was just kind of a... And he's an aggressive guy. So, I mean, he bites on a lot of stuff. But, man, he was just always a few steps behind. So, I really, really felt bad for him. I think Roger did fine. I think McCreary was good. He got flagged for something that was really, really good coverage where NFL scouts mm-hmm. were watching that being very, very excited. So like that yeah. was ridiculous. And then for Auburn not to get that DPI in the back of the end zone, that was 
Um, interesting. How about Bo Nix for calling that out, by the way, post-game, saying, hey, uh, if that happened to us, we wouldn't get the call. How about that, huh? I mean, Bo Nix is clearly frustrated, and he's the thing that I like is he's finding an outlet for that frustration that's not digging my teammates. Sure. Because you know that if, if he said anything that could be perceived as negative as teammates, people were going to jump on it and we're going to push on it. Um, but he's pointing out that, you know, that was the pretty much the exact same scenario we got flagged on. They didn't get flagged on it. Uh, kind of ridiculous. And then just the explosive plays. I mean, they had four pass plays of more than 25 yards. Uh, they had five runs of more than 10 yards. We didn't have any. And it's something where where you could tell Bo wanted to make it happen. Bo wanted to get those explosive plays down the field, running, passing, however he could do it on hit with his legs. And they just weren't coming for us. And as the frustration mounted, the pressure mounts, that's when you see him start um, bailing out early, get, you know, getting a little impatient in the pocket because he's trying to make something happen. I can't fault him for that. Right. Uh, first half, first half Bo did everything he had to do. He was focused out there uh, and, the team unfortunately just let him down. Right. I mean, glaring lack of consistency, glaring lack of production from wide receivers not named Colby Wood. Uh, I'm sorry, not named Kobe Hudson. Which I mean, he is a natural, a natural so wide natural. receiver. No, I mean, I would like more than one Kobe Hudson. And people, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people every time he catches something, tweet at me how natural he is, and I think it's hilarious. Please don't stop doing that. It's hilarious, but. You know, then people kind of chime in and it's like, well, is him dropping two catches or whatever? That's not very natural. It's like, stop it. We, if Auburn had four Kobe Hudsons lining up at receiver, they would be significantly better. Significantly mm-hmm. better. And look, I mean, it, it's easy for us to forget about some of these moments that they had. But I mean, there was like a third and nine late in the second quarter. Shedrick Jackson on this like skinny post type move on a third and nine. You know how hard it is to convert on a third and nine against Georgia? Virtually impossible. People aren't doing it. And Shedrick Jackson gets open well beyond the first down. Bo Nix delivers an awesome ball, solid, beautiful pocket, and he drops it. He drops it. And it's like you are Mm -hmm. trying to kind of get some momentum going into the half, and it's killer. And there was just a lot of instances like that. Robertson over the middle. I mean, it happened. Uh, I mean, Shivers dropped two. Obviously, the pick was the bigger one. I don't think he would have scored on the other one, but... It's just, it's just these wasted plays, Lindsay. It's just wasted plays when you have seven drops. But the third and nine went to Shedrick Jackson. Like, that was a big deal to me. Because it's just, it's, it is so hard to give it, uh, convert on a third and nine against anybody in the SEC, let alone Georgia. And you had a great opportunity to kind of keep things going. But on the other side of the coin, and, and I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, Lindsay, but on the other side of the coin, though, is... Bo still had these moments where, like, Kalen Newton had an incredible uh, incredible catch, and Bo had awesome touch there. And I think it was the next play, or it was the next throw uh, to Demetrius Robertson on the other side of the field, where it was just a beautiful ball. And it's like, where is it? We, we just need this to be a little bit more consistent, and this offense could be really, really good. Yeah, it's... The thing that dr- drives me a little crazy about this game is when you listen to Brian Harson after the game, he talks about, he was asked specifically about the wide receiver rotation. How come we almost always saw Robertson, Shedrick Jackson, and Kobe Hudson? We yeah. rarely saw anybody else. I think the only person, the only receiver outside of them to get a target was the one pass to Kalen Newton. Other than them, they were the only three to get targets on Saturday. Right. And he talked about, you have to earn the playing time in practice. 
And okay, fair enough. That's perfectly fine if that's the okay. What is Shedrick Jackson doing in practice that is not translating to the games? You know, you mentioned that drop. We've he's been we have 23 drops on the season according to the PFF. It's tops in the SEC. Um the do, do you know what second? Like, is there a gap between us and two? Do you know? Did you? Uh, look I at believe that? I believe second was twenty, and it was Vandy. Okay, but we're we're I believe we're the only ones above twenty, above 20, eighteen or lower. Uh, so I don't necessarily know what's happening in practice. I can see that we're not having the alignment issues. We're not having the the substitution issues that we were having. The Cornelius Williams to Eric Kiesel change solved that. But whatever's going on in practice that's not that's not translating to the games is what has to get fixed. You can beat a team like Georgia if you can execute and you don't make mistakes. We saw something, preview in the next segment, we saw something like that on Saturday night with Texas A&M versus Alabama. You can do it. You have to execute. You can't throw away chances. And we threw away a lot of chances to score and move the chains on Saturday. It's a Money Monday with our own Lindsey Crosby as he is our guest today, the Auburn banker himself. Hey, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. I love Prize Picks. I know you will too. Not a lot of folks do daily college fantasy sports. Prize Picks does. They have all kinds of things with college football as well as college basketball which obviously is uh, not too far away, which is very exciting. As you saw, Bruce Pearl and Cam Newton partying in the uh, student section. That was pretty awesome. But yeah, all of the, the folks that make a deposit, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll receive a 100% instant deposit match for up to $100. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com today. Use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Fetch Me Home Delivery. You can check out all of their website and how they serve the local community at FetchMeDelivery.com. They also have a great uh, new revamped updated app. Just search Fetch Me Delivery in your phone's app store if you're in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area. Or if you're coming in town, I know a lot of folks came in town for Georgia, obviously, and there's still a handful of good home games left that you guys will be coming in town for. So be sure to check out our friends at Fetch Me. And when you place an order that's over 30 bucks, use promo code LOCALMEAL and you'll get a, a nice chunk taken out of that. They've got awesome service. Be sure to check them out at fetchmehomedelivery.com. You mentioned it. You kind of teased it just a second ago, Lindsay. Looking ahead, Auburn still has a favorable schedule. Look, no one going into the season, or very few people going into the season, thought Auburn would beat Georgia, and especially last week. And so... That's one of those things, and, and I said this in one of the shows, and I wrote it in some Auburn Wire stuff last week. Auburn can lose against Georgia and still be a good football team, and they still have to prove it. They still have to kind of take care of business, but they can go on the road to Arkansas this Saturday and totally kind of change uh, the song that everybody's singing about them right now. And look, Arkansas is beatable. I think we saw that. I think Auburn's offense struggles more than their defense, and Arkansas could not find a defense against Ole Miss this past weekend. I think that's good for the Tigers. Yeah, we are 1-0 in the West. I mean... True. <laughs> that's true. And, I mean, we we have not lost a conference game yet. I'm sorry, a, a division game division, yet. Yeah. Alabama has. I mean... We you just had to get did, that in we, there, didn't you? <laughs> did anybody think we would go into this point of the season and have the possibility of winning of winning the division? 
I mean, no, but you do. The one game you've played in the division is LSU, and you beat them. Uh, got doubled up by Kentucky yesterday, so maybe that's not as impressive a win as we thought it was. But right. the point is, um, it's still open. You've got, I mean, obviously, now you start the gauntlet. We go to Arkansas. It's an 11 o'clock game. It's going to be on CBS, uh, one of their premier games. But you have a chance in year one of Brian Harson to win the division. And you didn't think that was going to be possible. Shout out to Texas A&M for making it possible. Uh, you have to handle business, and that starts against Arkansas. You have two losses. You really can't afford to to stumble any, but you have an opportunity that you did not know you were going to get, and can you step up and seize that opportunity? It just depends which version of every SEC team that they play for the rest of their slate, uh, which one do they yeah. get? I mean, if they get Arkansas that showed up last week, I think they've got a good shot. If they get the Ole Miss team that showed up against Alabama, they've got a good shot. If they have the A&M team that showed up to virtually every game except for this past week, they've got a good shot. Mississippi State, I feel fine about. South Carolina seemingly gets worse and worse. And then obviously uh, Alabama, that's going to be tough. But as a general rule, like you look ahead of it, it's like just because you got blown out by Georgia at Jordan-Hare Stadium, it doesn't really change the trajectory of the rest of the season. And I, I know a lot of people are bummed about that, but like not many people picked Auburn to win. In fact, I think everybody on this show this past week picked Auburn to lose by double digits. So, and that happened. So I, I, yeah. I, I still think when you look at it, nothing is that much different than where it was a week ago. We just got to kind of take a deep breath and be like, okay, that was tough. Georgia is significantly better than virtually everyone in college football. It stinks that you got them all, you got hit on the chin pretty early, but you can bounce back and and have a good season under the, you know the first year of Brian Harson, like you said. And you're playing with house money this year. I mean, it's the first year of Brian Harson. Expect sure. we saw people talking about is this going to be a six and six Auburn team this year? Is this going to be a five and seven? I mean, like the around some corners of college football, the question was, would Auburn even qualify for a bowl game this year? And we're in a position going into weeks what we going into week seven where we can win the division and go to the SEC championship if we win out. So yeah. it is. I mean, a lot of it depends on obviously the ver- the version of the teams we get. Which Arkansas do we get? Do we get the Arkansas that just hung fifty one? Do we get the Arkansas that got completely shut out uh, two weeks ago? Which which version do we get? But. Uh, how we perform on the road to Arkansas is, I think, going to go a long way towards giving people some peace of mind that this is not going to be a wasted season Right. as far as win-loss record. I mean, obviously, we're getting our guys' experience in the system. We're getting, you know, they're learning this whole new coaching staff, all these new schemes. But as far as a win-loss record is concerned, this Arkansas trip has the possibility of giving people some hope that we're still in this. And what more can you ask for in the first year of a coach in the SEC to still be in it halfway through the year? There's also another side of the coin with all of this. While Auburn still mm-hmm. has a chance to, to do some damage and all of the games, with the exception of maybe the Iron Bowl, seem winnable. But hey, maybe you get the Alabama that you know came out flat against A&M and you can kind of do some things there. You know, Still, it applies to them too, I guess. But the other side of the coin, Lindsay, is... If Auburn goes out and lays an egg in Fayetteville, then we're having the same conversation. I mean, we talked about this going into LSU, where it's like if Auburn loses in Baton Rouge, who do they beat? 
And so it's like if you go to Fayetteville, it's not quite as dire because I think Arkansas is a much better team than LSU is this season. But if you lose at Arkansas, are you confident hosting Ole Miss? I don't know. Are you confident going to Texas A&M? Probably not. And then you got Mississippi State and South Carolina. I think you're, I think you're still fine in that regard. But there, there's two sides of this coin, and so it just kind of depends on how you continue to get better as a team. And it's going to be one of those things where it comes down to culture that we've talked about a million times with Brian Harson and leadership and constant, you know, this constant obsession to get better every single day. And just talking to guys like Chandler Wooten like we do every week on the show, it seems like this team has that. It just has mm-hmm. to actually happen, you know? Yeah, and and the good thing here is we are able to find out more information each week about Auburn's true skill level because that's the thing we don't know is these players in this scheme with this coaching, how good are we really? We found out, so maybe we're not top five like Penn State and Georgia. Okay, fine. But we beat LSU. Okay, so maybe we're not bottom of the division. Mm-hmm. So this Arkansas team being a good team but not a great team, I think is something, you know, they're ranked, but they're in the high teens. I think that's a situation where we kind of get a better idea of where is the true middle for Auburn. Are we farther down towards LSU? Are we higher up towards the, you know, not not nearly there, but towards the Georgia and Alabamas because we have a team who's in that middle to to measure ourselves against. So this is a measuring stick for Brian Harson, And I guarantee you he knows the importance of going out to Fayetteville and making a statement, if nothing else, just because it's an Auburn tradition to beat up on Arkansas every year. Uh, don't want true. that to go away. That's true. Absolutely um, true. Absolutely true. Hey, coming up, uh, Auburn got a recruit over the weekend. We will talk about Drew Bobo as well as where Auburn is in the polls right now. We think that's a little interesting. But first, today's show brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Some say in the entire universe. I can't say I disagree. But they've got a ton of great flavors ranging from coconut to cherry to mint brownie to salted caramel. They've got a ton of great flavors. They all taste like candy bars. It's legit. You eat this thing and you're like, how is this good for me? I don't know, but it is. It's like magic. They're all very high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar. Um, yeah, check them out today. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15 for 15% off. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsey Crosby, our guest. We've got a few more minutes left. Um, let's touch on Drew Bobo first. Auburn gets its uh, its 12th member of the 2022 class. This will be Brian Harson's first full class where it's all his guys. And three-star offensive tackle right from Auburn's backyard, Auburn High School. This is the second player that uh, is part of this class from Auburn High School. Powell Gordon is the other. And they're trying to get Easton Harris, who's another offensive lineman from uh, from Auburn High School. But 
Yeah, three-star offensive tackle. Some places say that he will be a guard at the next level. We'll see. I kind of wonder by, like, you know, just by need, he'll stay at tackle um, when he plays for Auburn. But obviously, Drew, uh, Mike Bobo's son, they moved here. It was kind of down to Auburn and Georgia. And so, at least Auburn got a win over Georgia in something this weekend. That's obviously a big deal. But the, uh, hey, you know, I, we I, also I think this beat is a good them kid. equestrian. There you go. There you go. We beat everyone in equestrian. That's fantastic. Shout out Auburn Elvis yes. on that. But yeah, so I, I think when you uh, when you look at it, I think that's exciting. Auburn's still 40th in the country in recruiting and 14th in the SEC. So still a long way to go, um, but still good news on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, uh, Mike Mike Bobo is part of a trend of we need to bring in high school offensive linemen. Um, offensive line is notoriously the hardest position to to project high school kids into. So I don't take as much stock in a star ranking for offensive linemen as I do for a different position simply because so many offensive linemen don't work out when you get to college for one reason or another. I think it's, I saw the stat. It's like a 50% rate as far as hits on offensive linemen in recruiting. Okay. Um, But this is definitely something we have a lot of information on him, obviously as a coach's son, Uh, you know, we, we hopefully know how he's going to fit into this offense. Uh, and like you said, it's a numbers game. We were definitely behind the ball at the end of the Gus Malzahn regime with bringing in high school offensive linemen. I think at one point in time, maybe it was last season, four of our five starters were either transfers or converted defensive linemen. And it's like, you got to have offensive linemen out of high school in your program to develop. Um, I look for him to be, like you said, probably sticking at tackle for a while simply because of numbers, even though he may be more of a true guard. Um, or even possibly I've seen some stuff about his intelligence would lend him to play center oh, if okay. he had the numbers. So something where shout out to the coaches' kids for kind of having a little better feel of the game uh, when they're younger. But definitely a big pickup. And obviously the big thing for, for Harson is the 23 class. I mean, it's it's something where they'll have a full cycle to recruit those guys. The 22 guys, so much of that is your junior year you know, leading into your senior, but still good to see us getting better in that class. Yeah. And then you hope that a lot of the recruits that came to visit over the weekend got a good impression from Auburn, from the coaching staff right. for the 23 class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reading some of coach pink stuff, uh, go subscribe at auburnlive.com, part of their on three network. Uh, but coach pink had a good write up, talked about how good, um, Bobo is at blocking on the edge, which is obviously something good and blocking in space, which is something that's attractive and appealing you would think that would kind of lend itself to be um, where he could be a tackle at the next level or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. getting your hands on guys in space is always good. So um, hopefully that pans out. Excited to see uh, see that. It's been a minute since we've gotten a new commit, so maybe that'll get some momentum going. Uh, all right, as far as uh, other things that we wanted to talk about, Lindsay, Auburn is no longer ranked in either of the two major polls, the AP and the USA Today coaches poll. They're in 26 in both of them, and... A lot of inconsistencies to kind of look at. In the words of Bo Nix, if it was anybody else. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's so to me, here's what I don't understand. So Georgia State, we need a last minute drive to beat Georgia State. And we go up in the polls. Mm -hmm. We rise a couple spots. Uh, We had two, I think two top five teams lose yesterday. We lost to the new number one team in the country. We drop seven spots out of the rankings. Make it make sense. Yeah. Quality losses, right? Yeah, and I think this is the kind of thing where the college football playoff committee, 
will like uh, th- this happens every year since the college football playoff mm-hmm. committee's been a thing. But the CFP rankings always like Auburn way more than the polls do. Always. Because the polls are so much, you know, name recognition. And a lot of people who vote in these things don't watch all the games because, it, you know, it may be the, you know, one of the main, main writers for uh, for Michigan who has to put uh, a ballot together. And he's like, he didn't watch Auburn on, on Saturday. Are you kidding me? No. So uh, then obviously the coaches poll, all that SID stuff. But the CFP rankings... If they were coming out this weekend, I would be very confident that Auburn would be there. In fact, Auburn may be a top 20 team, you know, if, if they were doing it right now because they, I almost think they like them too much. They really like quality losses. Like, they are all yeah. about quality losses. So, and Auburn's got two of them. Auburn has two quality losses against two top 10 teams. What, Penn State's eight? Two, two top five teams. I mean, Penn State's top five. Are they? Okay, I think in the coaches yeah. they're eight, but in the AP they may be higher. Um, but regardless, I think that's still still two quality losses, especially than when you go to Penn State and you play the way you did. So I don't know. I, I just and it doesn't really matter, Lindsay. It's just this constant theme of like the the whole we have to sit through all of this like Alabama just gets to play by a different set of rules all the time. And it's just really frustrating mm-hmm. to watch every single even when they lose, it's like okay, they still don't get it as bad as everyone else. And it's frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. I saw a lot of Auburn fans tweeting about it Sunday afternoon. So like, I don't think it's just a me thing here. Yeah, I think, I mean, they lost to an unranked team. They're the first number one overall team to lose to an unranked team. I want to say since like 2003, it was some wild stat. Yeah. And they 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 dropped to five. That That's it? Right. Five? Yeah. And it... it it's one of those, I understand benefit of the doubt. Like, I understand that argument. But it's it's frustrating from the Alabama, from the Auburn fan perspective to be like, you know, they lost to an unranked team. Maybe that's a little farther than five, whereas we lost to the number now number one team in the country. Right. Our two losses are, and you're right, it's number seven, Penn State. I forgot they lost to Iowa. Shout out Iowa. Um, and to the number one team, and we're out of the poll. So... I, I had to remind people on Sunday afternoon and saw some of those tweets and messages in our Discord. Sure. Uh, rankings don't matter until the college football playoff rankings You're right. come out. You're right. In the end, the AP rankings, coaches poll doesn't matter. It's the college football playoff rankings that actually matter, and they're just not out yet. So we need something to talk about. Um, real quick, yeah, but it, it's, just a, sh- uh, it's just a general respect thing, I think. Yeah. And there's just not a whole lot of it towards Auburn right now, and I don't think that's fair. But all right, go ahead. Before we end this, I just want to echo Leota leads this Auburn team in sacks. Yes. And I could not be happier. What like, a dude. What a get. Yeah. I mean, he was like the first where, one. Yeah. We were excited about him when he first came in and then a bunch of other guys came in and he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. He didn't, he wasn't starting right away. TD Moultrie has some sort of weird eligibility thing going on. Don't know what that's about. Well, he didn't even go Ex- through spring. He was like, a, yeah. he came in the summer. And so it's like, is he even going to have enough time to kind of figure out what all's going on? And boy, he has. He's been a great, uh, he's been a great addition to the pass rush. He just, he just keeps on, uh, like his motor never stops. And you see him, he's that guy that, you know, he get, he might get double teamed and shoved out of the play and he's getting back up and he's running to chase down from behind. I mean, he, he has a motor. And this is a good get by Brian Harson. And this is why we talked about this with some of the players we brought in, like Jarquez Hunter. Uh, they're looking for guys that fit what they're trying to do. Right. And it's not always going to be the highest star-rated guys. If you want to see a team 
that lives in like that lives off of star rankings and the stars don't line up, look at USC. USC brings in a bunch of four and five star guys because they just go after the be- the highest rated guy they can get. This coaching staff has gone after guys that fit what they're trying to do, right. and those guys are getting results. So shout out Ekuliota. Yeah, I love it. I love it. If I was a battery company, I'm signing him. Whether it's Duracell, if I'm energi- Energizer, I'm I'm calling him. He's not turning it off. You know what I'm saying? He keeps going and going and going. That's right. Hey, how can people find you and hear you, buddy? I am at Auburn Banker on the socials and in the Discord, and you can listen to me 7 to 9, Monday through Friday, on News Talk WANI. Fantastic. Follow me on Twitter at Z Black, or on Twitter at Locked on Auburn, and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with a Charlie Tuesday right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.